This week's guest was world champion, Olympic champion, and world record holder all at the same time. And he was Canadian, the legendary Donovan Bailey. And we'll talk some esports, Joe Tilly Sports. Come on up! Today's special guest, he was born in Jamaica, raised in Oakville, a three-time world champion, two Olympic gold medals, ran a time of 9.84 seconds to set a world record at the 96 Olympics. He set numerous world and Canadian records, inducted into the Ontario and Canadian Sports Hall of Fame, the former fastest man on planet Earth. Ladies and gentlemen, a Canadian sports legend, Donovan Bailey. Donovan. Welcome to the program, my friend. Hey, Joe, great to be here with you again, man. This is, it's been a while and, uh, you know, it's, it's always, uh, I'm always happy uh, when I can speak to a, you know, a local man like, like you and, and, and myself. I feel at home. I feel at home for sure. Well, it's, it's awesome. It's a pleasure to have you. And I really want to thank you for taking the time to join us now. So let's talk, let's, we're going to begin at the beginning. So you moved here from Jamaica when you were 13 years old. What prompted the move up north? Well, I didn't move here. I think that sometimes when people have this great conversation is that they, they think that I decided something. My my parents, first of all, I came to Canada when I was seven and I went oh. back to Jamaica to go to school. I was going to, I mean, I think I was attending school at boarding school in Jamaica, but my parents came to Canada like every other immigrant in Canada. They come here for, um, you know, better opportunities uh, to, you know, to, to make some money, to educate their kids. And all of those things. So I just, I just followed my parents. I didn't, I didn't move to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what we do when they were that age, right? We kind of follow our parents. So okay, so absolutely. Uh, now, tra track wasn't your first choice. I know you went to Sheridan College. You played basketball at Sheridan College, and a pretty good basketball player, from what I understand. Do you have aspirations to be a pro at that point? What aspirations to be a pro basketball player? Right. Well, of course. I mean, well, well, first of all, so two things. I ran track for, in Jamaica. In Jamaica, track and field is like what hockey is to Canada. So every kid right. uh, participates in some track and field event, whatever that might be. Uh, but definitely my first love uh, still to this day is basketball. And yes, I had aspirations to be um, an NBA player. But at that time, they were, there was no room in the NBA for a six foot one power forward. <laughs> I guess not. Still not much room for a six foot one power forward. Uh, so I, are, you, are you a big Raptors fan? Did you follow, have you follow the Raps all the way along? Oh, I'm a huge Raptors fan. I mean, I, like it's been, um, it's, I mean, you know, you know, I, I, I get to attend games and I certainly know uh, the management ownership there and, and some of the players and, and yeah, I get to, I get to go there and watch the great product that Messiah Jury has put together. Uh, yeah, and 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 uh, I I hope that uh, they can come through this year. I my money was on them last year, uh, in bubble ball for them to to go far. But I think that they they kind of missed uh, the fans at home. So so hopefully right. this year 
uh, they have conformed to those Tampa Bay fans. I know it's not Toronto, uh, but hopefully we can get through and, and go farther and go deep in the playoffs. But but I, I, I am definitely a huge Raptors fan. Right. It doesn't help when you've got uh, COVID protocol and, and Nick Nurse, five coaches are missing. Uh, you know, yeah. Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siak, Emoji, and I know we all out of the lineup. But when they lose to, to a team like Detroit, that makes you think that maybe this team has, you know, got some work to do yet. But uh, no, not, that was a really. fun run. Really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. When I when I'm when I'm like when I when I heard about the the, the pro protocol and that basically half the team was going to be playing, you kind of go, okay, it's going to be, it's definitely going to be one of those off nights. I don't even want to watch right. the game, right? <laughs> uh, you know. So, but I, yeah. again, the, the number one thing, as you know, Joe, it's really about the health of of all of us, including the players, and and uh, you know, if them taking the day off means that uh, they'll be healthy and uh, we can win some more games going down the road, then I'm all for it. So, right. we, yeah, we can lose to Detroit. It won't happen twice this year. Right. So, when, when you – yeah, no, no, it won't happen again. Now, uh, so, you, when, you were, uh, when you were in your track and field heyday, so you got, you got an attack track in, in here in Canada, you started to make a little bit of an impact, but it came a little bit later in, in, your, in your life, kind of like, like when you're 20, 20, 21, 22. Is that about the right time when you decided – to try it for the national team and sort of really make it uh, your number one priority. Well, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I mean, I, I, you know, I was I was working I was working in Toronto in corporate Canada, and and I and I found out very quickly that I'm actually not made to be inside an office. Uh, it got it got right. boring real quick, and I and and I kind of uh, if I I mean I was being my authentic self then when I thought that um, you know. Uh, it, 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 you know, working on Bay Street is an incredible opportunity to, to, to carve out a great career and, and, and to make a lot of money. But I it really I really felt I was dying and, 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 and maybe I had this physical need uh, to explore a talent, a God given talent that I never really worked at. I mean, it was very easy for me, um, you know, in school to go and run track and and, and, and beat people. And I, I was, and I was also the best athlete on the basketball team. Uh, you know, so, um, so yeah, in my early 20s, I decided that, um, well, two things. I mean, um, my friend Hopeton Taylor and Andre Mativier um, were trying to make the national team. And so I went to go watch them. And, uh, and I went to go watch them. And I realized that some of the guys that I used to beat in high school on a regular basis, they were part of our national team program. And I thought, well, I can beat them. So let me just go beat them. And that's kind of how, I mean, it, it, it probably, the, the process was probably that easy. Uh, but to get from there to be the fastest man in the world took a, a lot of work. Uh, but yes, the process uh, was very quickly for me to adjust from uh, being a business person uh, to being a full-time athlete. So aside from your, your you know, tremendous desire, obviously, and, and, and the desire to, to be on top, what are some of the other factors uh, that, that led you to, to where you got? Like, uh, was it coaching? Was it... Uh, what were the major factors in, in, in uh, you know, Donovan Bailey reaching his pinnacle? Well, well, listen, I mean, every single day I talk about my support system. My parents, uh, my, my mom and dad were my, my mentors. I mean, they were the greatest uh, people, the greatest human beings on the planet. They, they supported me in every single thing that I did and, and also challenged me to work hard and to be disciplined and to be focused. Uh, I was also blessed to have some amazing coaches, even from, from high school basketball, high school track, um, you know, 
you know, I was surrounded by some amazing uh, people from uh, Queen Elizabeth Park, Sheridan College, and 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 onwards, University of Texas at Louis at, at LSU. Um, you know, so from my high school coach all the way up to Dan Paff, I had had some amazing coach. Uh, but also, I had a great like the friends that I have. I mean, are the same people that 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 I actually go and play golf with today. So the relationships, the relationships that I had from being a teenager, uh, you know. Those are very, the same, very same people. And, and so when I talk to kids about them trying to get to where they want to get to, you really need to look around with the people, or look around you and the friends that you surround with, surround yourself with, and to, and to, and to see if those people, one, are, be, are working their hardest to be their best and challenging you uh, to be your best also. So the, the, so my, my, I mean, growing up in Oakville, the, 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 the village truly existed. Uh, my friends, my family, uh, my coaches, my teachers, every single person was supportive. And, and every single one of those people said to me in, in, in whatever, uh, whatever time of my life I was with them, every single one of those people said that, um, I should think limitless. And, and 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 my accomplishments should be limitless, and 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 so that's why it is even to this day I, I challenge myself, and I'm still a student in all the things that I do in life. Well, clearly you were you were you were paying attention to that advice. So in in 1995 is when you kind of really broke on the scene, and you, that's when you broke the 10 second barrier, and you set the Canadian record of 9.91 seconds, and then later that year you you set up your first world record, I believe, at 50 meters. Is that is that about yes. the time that people started taking uh, Donovan Bailey seriously at the international stage? Well, they started taking me seriously in 1994, but 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 I, I think that it, it was it was not as serious as they wanted to be. I think that there was always, you know, in track and field, it's very much like golf. Sometimes you have an athlete that comes on the scene and gets hot, and and they may get hot for three or four races. Uh, but the fact is that I've act, that that when I left Oakville and I moved. Uh, to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to go 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 be, to to be trained by Dan Paff. Uh, I had I was definitely committed. I was definitely putting the work in. I had adjusted my nutrition. Um, you know, I was getting physiotherapy every day. I was hitting the weights. Uh, you know, I, I understood. Um, I understood that rest. Uh, you know, was so important. Uh, you know, because you know, I, I think that all of us in our twenties feel that you can you're invincible. So you can you can stay up days at a time and still be at your very best. So I understood all the the the, the simple characteristics that's going to make me really well. So in 1994, I came on the scene. Uh, I definitely started to make a splash. Uh, but at, so at the end of 1994, I think that um, I think that my competitors, as well as the world, kind of recognized that um, there was nothing that was going to stop me. And, and I was here to stay. So I broke the 50-meter world record um, indoors. So I broke the 50-meter world record, I believe, in March or April uh, you know, of 1995. And then, then I started the assault on the, on the records, on the outdoor records. I believe it was that April, April or May of that year. Right. And then, of course, there was Gothenburg, Sweden in 1995. And, uh, right. you know, the world championships, right? And so the first heat, uh, you and Bruni, Bruni, well, you both won your semifinal heats. Bruni's time was a shade quicker than yours was. Were you, were you, I mean, you and Bruni knew each other all the way along. You got teammates and it's like, was there any uh, doubt in your mind who was going to win uh, in that final? Never. 
There's, there's never been. I mean, I've always see the, the thing is, um, you can never do anything uh, without having confidence. There's nothing that you can do in this world. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, no work, no school, no job. Um, so, uh, no, I, I knew I knew I knew all along that. Uh, first of all, I was I was ranked number one in the world going into Sweden. So it was my race to lose regardless of how good Bruni was running. And, and, and I never, you know, Bruni's my good friend and certainly my teammate on the relay. Uh, but at no point whatsoever was I, was I, what did I ever feel that I was going to lose to anyone, including Bruni. So um, that was what a team. I mean, it must have felt great, though, to be uh, gold and silver on the podium for Canada. That must have been an incredible Absolutely. feeling. Absolutely. I right. mean, you know, it, it, it is, you know what, what's really funny about 1995 and the world championships, Glenn Roy was also running well. And, and, and th that was our aspirations. Our aspiration was to get, get on the podium and just have all Canadian flags on the podium. You know? So, I mean, again, I, I told those guys I was going to win anyways. Bruni's like, Oh, I'm going to win. I'm like, yes, I, I know. I know what you're thinking. That's fine. But I really <laughs> wanted Glenn Roy. I really wanted Glenn Roy to not only make the finals, but uh, to to be on the podium, put to be on the podium, and and I think that um, you know because I kind of changed the attitude of 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 Canada and and Canadian sports and how we're portrayed globally. We're very confident. We train really hard. We're respectful of our competitors, uh, but but we train really hard and had high expectations. So I really wanted Glenroy uh, to be on the podium. I knew that Bruni was going to run well. Uh, and also, uh, we also knew that we we're going to crush the world in the relay. So that and 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 that kind of started um, Glenn, both Glenroy and Bruni uh, running tremendous times over their careers, and also the younger guys that came up, Carlton, Robert, Okiki. There was a lot of young guys that came up. So so 1995 was the, definitely well. It was 94 when we won in in, in Victoria, but at the highest level, uh, 1995, it was just nice to to have your teammates there and. And to be serenaded by the by the Canadian uh, by the Canadian anthem. Yeah, it was beautiful. I, I remember it well. So, um, Dan Pfaff, uh you talked about Dan earlier. The the how much of a role did he did he play in, in you developing your own? You had your you developed your own uh, unique system of sprinting. Uh, did Dan play a role in that, or was that something you just uh, showed Dan that this is what I want to do, and he helped you helped you achieve that? Well, listen, I, I went to, like, I was a, I was cold when I went to Dan. Cold as in, you know, uh, the, I, I, was, I was a diamond in the rough, we'll say. I, I'm not cold. I was, right. I was a diamond in the rough. Right. Uh, no, Dan molded everything. I mean, one of the, like, I think that people, people, here, here's what's crazy about our sport. Uh, I think a lot of times I, when, I, when I have conversations with people, I, I let them, I, you know, I, I compare it to golf. Every single person can swing a golf club. Every, every person. Right. But there's only one Tiger Woods and every single person in this world, every able bodied person can actually run. Uh, but he also but but what it takes is to have a genius like Dan Paff, who molded me, who essentially uh, said to me, Dan taught me how to walk the very first day at practice. He said, listen, your gait is terrible and you're actually walking like you're driving a car with your foot on the brakes. Now, these are things I didn't even know about. I mean, and, and, and clearly, I was not embarrassed, nor was I offended, because I'm hearing it from the master. So Dan taught me, I mean, there, there's, there is, 
Dan is one of the of the best technical coaches that exist even to this day. And 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 so yeah, Dan taught me all kinds of things: rhythm, uh, breathing. He, uh, he need to, he need he, he told me exactly what my flight pattern should be. Uh, again, I'm probably talking silly things to people, and they might not even understand it. Uh, you know how what breathing means, what the the height in which my my diaphragm should be, my my intake of oxygen in the middle of the race. Um, there's a million things to learn. So yes, I was definitely just a diamond in the rough, and and Dan molded me. Uh, you know, a ton of hard work. Dan molded me uh, to the point that um, I understood what it was like to come out of the blocks. Uh, you know, go through the you know the, the three the three uh, portions of my race. For sure, Dan. Dan absolutely was uh, a huge instrument and instrumental in me being um, Olympic and world champion. I am blessed with great genes, Joe. I have to tell you that the number, <laughs> the, the, the two people yeah. I have to thank, the two people I definitely have to thank are my mom and dad because I was blessed with with amazing genes. But but Dan definitely molded them. Well, also, you know, another quality that you had, obviously, is that you were able to learn. You know, like there's a lot of guys who, who, who think they know everything. They're difficult to teach. But it sounds like you went to, to Dan as like an open slate. Dan, here I am. Do with me whatever you want. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And you did that. And, and, and the results were okay. Yeah, you know what? Here's the thing. I, I, I and and again, um, when I, when obviously I'm doing virtual appearances, but I do appearances around the world. Um, I think that sometimes when I speak to parents, I let them understand, you know, how influential a coach is to the success of your athlete. The number one thing that you have to do with that child is to make sure that that child is prepared to learn and he can definitely put him or her, put, put him or her in a position that that child uh, is a sponge. And, and again, I had great support from my parents, great support from my friends, uh, you know, great support all around. So when I got to Dan, you know, I essentially walk in and said, you know what? Yeah, I can run fast, but I know nothing, you know, because the fact that he can break it down from the first day by actually giving me life lessons in, in the fact that I am, I am walking wrong. I mean, I, I'd walk 20 years, 21 years like that. Now, how the hell can a guy tell me that I'm walking wrong? But again, the guru started speaking. <laughs> I I thought, well, I've made a commitment. I've left Oakville. I'm living in Baton Rouge now. I'm going to give this a shot. I am wide open for all the information that this man's going to give me. And yes, uh, with the support system that I had back home and, and all of that, um, from him teaching me how to walk day one uh, for, to, you know, to... You know, six months later, when I'm when I'm in Paris and London, uh, you know, running with the very best people of that generation, uh, yeah. So he, he knew what he was doing, and and so it's that's why it's always important to prepare your kid uh, to, you know, to and prepare your kid uh, to 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 absorb information when they're in front of those uh, in front of those great coaches. It reminds me of the, the wax on, wax off. Yes, Grasshopper. You just do what you're told, and you just do it, right? It's uh, Abs so, okay. Absolutely. So we, let's, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you surrounded yourself with people who would enhance your magnificence, as, as uh, a great leader once said, right? You know, people right. that would. But I'm uh, saying again, that's, that, yeah. 
That's that's very Joe. That's very important. I mean, listen. I mean, you know, as as a as a as a as, as a journalist and being in the profession for many 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 years. I mean, you know that you get better. I mean, forget about ego. Yes, of course, you want to be the very best, but you know that if you surround yourself with great journalists or producers or people that are very good in whatever industry that you're pursuing, you know you'll learn things and you know you right. get better. So it was no different for me in, in track and field. And just like it's no different for me in business or in anything that I'm doing. So yes, I'm, I'm always, I've, you know, again, I'm blessed to have incredible relationships that have lasted years and years and years. And, and, and yes, uh, I preach that to people to, to people that are doing anything. Go after and seek those people that you aspire to be like. And, and certainly, uh, you know, you can always learn a great lesson. Right, that's why we have Vic for a producer, by the way, Don, he's, he's the best. Absolutely. Okay, so, uh, uh, so now on to, on to 96. Now you go to the Atlanta Olympics, uh, you're uh, ranked number one in the world, and there's a little bit of pressure on your shoulders here, I'm sure. Now, there's going to be a lot of pressure on your shoulders because now we Canada hasn't had a sprinter of your ilk since Ben Johnson. And, of course, we all know what happened right. in, in, in 1988. And, you know, we were all on that incredible high when Ben won the gold and then we just brought crashing down. Uh, did you right. feel extra pressure on you uh, heading into 90, the 96 Olympics? Like you had, a, you had to do this right and you had to get this done. Is that what you kind of felt? Was there extra pressure on you because of that? I, I, you know what? I have to say, not really. No, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think that. I mean, like going into '96 was a, just. It was another day at the office for me. I mean, you know, you know what happened with Ben was in '88. The last time a Canadian had won the Olympics was in '19 was in was in 1928 uh, when Percy Williams won. So I mean, I I knew that I knew the history, uh, but it, it for me it was another day at the office. I mean, funny enough, I mean, and and I tell this story quite often. My father was there watching. What my father was in Atlanta watching, and uh, my daughter was was just my daughter was like almost two. Her her birthday uh, is in is in August, and so she was my little girl was there in Atlanta, and my and my dad said to me, Joe, my dad said, "Okay, son, listen, um, I know I'm here to watch you compete, and I know you have a couple of rounds to go, uh, so I'm not gonna worry about that stuff. I'll just meet you at the finals." I'm like, Dad, do you understand that I actually have to qualify per round? So this is what I'm saying about the people that my, my and my dad didn't he couldn't care less. He said, I made some plans to take my little granddaughter shopping or to go get her ice cream or whatever he was doing. And and that really what that's all it was for him. He, he couldn't care less. I mean, and that's exactly what happened. So you're saying I probably had more pressure trying to impress my dad than 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 the nation and the world. You know, because he was like, oh, okay, listen, I'm not going to be around. I, I can care less. I will see. My dad came to one race, see and that finals. was the finals. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> well, you know what? Obviously, your dad had as much faith in you as you did in yourself. I mean, at least, right? Well, yeah. it's, it's taught confidence. I mean, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I remember having a conversation with my dad when I was nine years old, and and I was studying, and he said, well, and, and, and I think I said something like, yeah, I need to get something. Like it was a whatever it was. It was maybe I had to get like 70 or something uh, to get an A or some sort of. I, I don't remember what exactly right. what, the, what, what the actual number was. And he said, well, 
you need to study like you're going to get an A. You need to talk like you're going to get an A. You need to, like, you, you're, you, you need to, this is, you need to, 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 to embody all this. When I'm nine years old, like, I'm wanting to go outside to go play soccer. Like, I, I didn't, again, I didn't want to hear that kind of talk. I mean, every nine-year-old kind of go, oh, come on, dad, you know? But my dad had taught me, uh, my parents had taught me from when I was young to be confident. But, but not just to be confident, to prepare myself. And so uh, I knew in Atlanta that I was prepared. I knew that, I mean, I had gotten, I, I'd gotten an injury just before Atlanta. There was, there's a lot of other things that were going on, but I knew that the race itself, I had full control over. I was prepared. Uh, you know, I had Dr. Mark Lindsay with me, who's probably got the best physio, best hands, best soft tissue specialist in the world. Um, Dan Paff, my coach, had great training partners. You know, my, my dad was in the stands watching with my daughter. And I had a whole slew of friends who took plane, train, and automobile from Canada. There's probably 100 of my friends that, that, that were in the stands that came down to watch. So um, that probably had more pressure than just me getting out there and winning. I mean, winning was something I was used to. I knew what I had to do. You know, so no, there wasn't, wasn't a lot of pressure. I, I mean, obviously, in reflecting back, I understood how important it was. Uh, as a Canadian. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as pressure is concerned, I mean, I, I tend to, I tend to just, just think about, you know, if they call you up, Joe, and say, listen, just come host the Oscars, man. You kind of go, yeah, I like it. It is definitely a challenge, but I'm going to knock this thing out of the park. You know how it is. Right, right. Yeah, I'm going to phone Billy Crystal and say, Billy, what, what, how, do, how do I do this, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait, listen, why not? Why help surround me out, yourself me with good people? There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Why yeah. not? Yeah. Okay. So now, uh, um, so let's talk about the the races your your dad missed because they're kind of interesting. Your first uh, in the quarterfinals, you, you were second in your heat to Linford Christie, who was the gold medalist in '92. Uh, then in the semis, you were second in your heat to Frankie Fredericks in Namibia. Was that by design? You know, like I mean, you weren't pressuring yourself too much. You weren't going to blow your you know, what, as they say in the, in, in the quarterfinals and semifinals when, when, uh, right. <laughs> I know that terminology is not the greatest here, but <laughs> you weren't going to go all out there just because you wanted to save a little bit. Is that what you're trying? Is that what you're doing at the time? Well, yeah, you know what, here's what happens. You know that, you know that you're going to have three rounds, right? I mean, and, and, and it's, it's, and, and again, um, professional track and field, we travel around the globe and we compete against each other. So we're competing, we're competing against each other in, 20, 30, 40 countries. So I knew um, I knew who these guys were. I'd beaten Linford. I'd beaten Frankie. So it, so I knew what their 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 strengths and I knew what their weaknesses were. But it's like like one of the things that that Dan always talk about is like they don't hand out medals at the thirty meter mark, and they certainly don't hand out medals during the round. So at the end of the day, all I was doing really was kind of getting in my own personal rhythm. One of the things that I do, what, what I did when I trained, I actually never liked to go through tape. So I, I never, so we videoed, but Dan would go through that by himself to kind of see what, what I was doing wrong. And then he'd come and tell me. One of the things that I preferred to do was actually get in the race and, and, and in practice and actually go through rhythm. So for me, it was just about how I felt. Uh, was I aggressive coming out of the blocks? Uh, you know, was you know, was my breathing okay? Was my shoulder okay? 
Was my shin angles all right coming out of the blocks? Was my drive phase okay? You know, all of those, was my acceleration phase okay? So I knew all of those things. So I was actually just going through those uh, mechanics uh, through the round. So I really wasn't concerned with who I lost to or what was going on. Like, I, like yeah, it, I, I mean, you know that top two is always going to give you um, – a great lane, which is really what you, which is really mm -hmm. what you vie for. You got to be top two. Mm -hmm. You get a great lane, and then when the finals come, you leave it all out. Leave the whole wad out there, Joe. Right, and and the uh, <laughs> the uh, the technically technically sound in the quarterfinals, technically sound in the semifinals. So you felt absolutely comfortable. So then we, but then we get to the final. Okay, three right. false starts, and then Christie is is uh, DQ'd. So. Did that throw you off? I mean, to me, it's like I, I watch those de the, the, the false starts, and I think to myself, Don's got such a great, you know, start here in in in, the, in both of the, in in both of the, the first two uh, false starts, all, all all three of them. You like such a you're great coming to the blocks. I mean, I'm thinking this this is terrible. I mean, I, I don't know. I I feel like I felt more pressure than you did watching this race, right? I mean, it just, it just felt I'm to me it's like the word, weight of the world is on this guy's shoulders. He's got to do this. He's the best in the world. He's got to. And, of course, three false starts. Did that throw you off? Well, well, first of all, I can say that I probably got more relaxed as the false starts happened. But, yes, I was very upset, very, very upset because I had two very good starts. I had two very good mm -hmm. starts. And Dan thought that if I had a proper start, then my time should be uh, high 9.6, low 9.7. I think he said something like he thought that I was able to run 9.71. So I didn't know the wow. time. That's just what he said. And, and that would have been a beautiful time to run. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was absolutely horrible. Uh, but I realized, again, um, the things that Dan and I talk about in practice, Donovan, if you have a false start, go back in, reset. So it's almost like loading a spring. So I knew that every time there's a false start, go back in, just real deep, take some deep breaths, under, you know, stretch, you know, shake it off, and, and, and get back in and getting, ready, and getting ready for war. And that's, yes, I was, I was very upset about the starts. Uh, but then I realized, one, my top speed was higher than anybody else in that field. So all I needed to do, although I had a horrible start in the finals, um, I was the sixth man out of the blocks. I knew that, again, I had to be conscious. I had to relax. I had to be patient. Uh, and and uh, you saw the result. Right. And, and after that third false start, the, the, and, and, and Christie's DQ'd, then, then the, the real race, and it's your, your worst start of the, of the four of them, but you, yep. you were able to make that up. Now, were you were you a little bit concerned after that start? I mean, did you think to yourself, "Oh no"? Did you think at any point, point did you think I've blown it? I'm not going to be able to catch these guys, or did you know? No, I knew. I knew because because races like because it was it was been happening. It been happening on the on the professional circuit uh, the entire year. I mean, there were there were times that Frankie had gotten out on me, and 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 I would just catch him. And sometimes I'd, I I would, I would let him win. Uh, Linford was the same way. I mean, and, and also all the, the, all the athletes that were in the race were all professional athletes. So, I'd, so, and so I saw them, uh, you know, in, in, uh, on the professional circuit. So I had seen Otto 
I'd seen Frankie, I'd seen Davidson, I'd seen, you know, Michael Green, I'd, I'd seen all of the guys. So I knew that if I just stayed patient and I stayed relaxed and that I would get momentum and that when I hit top speed, I'd pass the entire field. So, yes, I, I mean, I really wasn't worried about that. And I was quite confident I was going to win. I love that, that, that iconic photo of you after you cross the finish line. It was unbelievable. That's, I, I, I don't know. That's, it's, it's kind of one of my favorite, maybe the, the greatest uh, sports photo in Canadian history, right up there for sure. Uh, of that race yeah, You face. looked over, call, you looked race, over, you saw you'd won. Race face, baby. That's the best race face ever. Uh, Absolutely. That ever, I mean, it's just awesome, eh? I mean, I, I can never get tired of looking at that. And, and, uh, so um, what? So you're 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 the Olympic champion, world record holder, fastest man on the planet. What does that feel like when when that at that moment? And, and of course, you you drape yourself in the Canadian flag, and it's just like, wow. I mean, a country's cheering you on, and I don't know if it's it's if it's a little different here than it is in other countries, but wow. I mean, it, it was just like, it was so special for us, especially after what happened with Ben and everything else, and. You know, of course, we all wanted to wait that next few hours, make sure it's all clean and the contest come back, sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, I, mean, I was worried. To, right? Yeah, you were right. worried. I know you were worried, but, uh, you know, no, and, and listen, um, it, it, yeah. And no, it was amazing. Oh, um, it, it, it felt, it felt, you know, one, I think is a culmination of, of hard work. Um, I obviously want to run faster, but that's the athlete in me because we train every single day to take one one thousandth off our time. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I felt uh, I felt I hadn't ran. Actually, in truth, Joe, I felt that I ran a terrible race. I felt that the start was bad, and and I was telling Dan, I'm like, oh, it's horrible, and he's saying, yes, it's horrible, and we're both looking at each other saying these things while looking and say, oh, by the way, you know. You know, no other human being has ran that that fast before. So it was it was definitely a thing. It was definitely a thing. But but again, I I, I think that it you know it's you know definitely honored, blessed, and humbled, uh, you know, to celebrate another occasion uh, where I'm in I'm in the um, the living rooms of every single Canadian and probably every single track and field sports fan around the world, and 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 it's it's just one of those times that. Um, where, where, wherever I go and whatever I do to this day, and I'm sure this will happen until I die, um, you know, people get to share uh, their incredible memories of what they did that day uh, to me, uh, you know, with me. And and uh, and and again, I'm I'm definitely blessed and humbled, um, you know, that day and definitely every single day from that day onwards. It was beautiful. I mean, so I just want to look at these numbers here. Uh, you were running 12.10 meters, meters per second, 43.6 kilometers an hour, 27.1 miles per hour, fastest ever by any human being on planet Earth. Uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, just that whole thing is kind of, that's pretty cool. I just have to say, there's two things that I think yes, are the, the coolest sporting achievements there are. One is fastest thank man you. on the planet. One's heavyweight champion of the world. You know, and and you you got yes. to experience one of those things. And our our buddy Lennox yeah. Lewis got to experience uh, the other one, right? So that's pretty cool. At the same uh, time. Now, yeah, at the same time. At the same right. time. How right. cool is yes. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Canada rules, baby. Canada rules. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. That's pretty awesome. Okay, so um, you're the first man to hold the world title, Olympic title, and world record all at the same time. And then a week later. 
you hook up with uh, Bruni and uh, Glenn Roy and Robert Esme and uh, and uh, the Heat Runners Carlton Chambers and and uh, you became the first ever uh, quartet to defeat the Americans in the relay, the four by one hundred relay. Uh, another special experience. But uh, by this time, you've been you know on on top of the world for about a week. Uh, are you coming down from that yet, or, is, or, or were you able to save a little bit for this race? Obviously, a little bit. Well, you know what, Joe? Listen, it's not even okay. I'm the captain of the team. I'm the leader of the team. I'm the fastest man in the world. You know, uh, you know, I'm the number one athlete on the planet. Now, I got I, I got on the podium in in Atlanta for the hundred meters breaking the world record by myself. Now, what better way to celebrate the next week? by actually bringing along your teammates to, to be on top of the podium and to celebrate and do something that no other team ever since 1896, since the advent of the Olympics, had done before. I mean, there was lots of talk that now Carl Lewis was going to jump on the team and there's all of these things that was going to happen. And I just started laughing. I said to the guys, I'm like, yo, listen, just bring me the stick, man. We'll be okay. And, it, you know, and, and, and the thing is, though, and, there, and there's a couple of things. Glenroy had not made the finals of the Olympic Games, and Glenroy really was physically prepared uh, to make the finals. Bruni did not make the finals, and uh, Bruni, I felt also, was good enough to make the finals. So you, what you had was a team of very upset men. We'll just use that word. We'll just say upset. Mm -hmm. you know. And, and so when I came in, I, you know, I challenged them. <laughs> pissed. Right. No, very pissed. Absolutely. Yeah. Very pissed. And so... Uh, so when I went back to the, when I went and I, I took a couple of days off to celebrate my hundred meter win, um, saw the guys, but then when I went back to camp, those guys had been there for a day or two practicing in the relay. And I'm like, yes, yes, they're pissed off. They know what's at stake. They understand that I already done what I said I was going to do individually. And so the challenge was, are they going to be ready to do to match up what they're going to do in each leg that they're supposed to run while holding the most precious thing in the world, which is that baton. And so we can get it around and, and beat everybody. And yeah, it was, it was, it's so good. It's, it's definitely one of my special moments in my life when, when you can, you know, get successful, be successful. And you're doing that with it, with, with, with a squad of fellas, that you get along with, that you're friends, that you're competitors with, that sometimes you fight like brothers, uh, but then you make up. I mean, yeah, so it was it was definitely amazing the, the, the second week uh, in Atlanta. Okay, so so um, they so normally, almost always, when 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 uh, the 100 meter champion is crowned, uh, everybody just acknowledges the fact that you're the fastest man in the world. And a story. No questions asked. Nobody, nobody <laughs> ever, nobody ever suggests otherwise. Right. Unless you're, unless you're American and you, you won the two hundred meter uh, gold medal, and you say, "No, I'm the fastest guy in the world, Michael Johnson." And of course, and then the American media jumps on board and they say, "Yeah, well, you know what? Yeah, you know, I think Michael Johnson. Yeah, he's probably really the the fastest man uh, on the world." And so. What better way to prove it than than uh, have a match race? And uh, first of all, before that took place, what did you think when they started spouting off about this business? Well, listen. First of all, the only time in the history of the world that the fast man in the world apparently ran the two hundred was in Atlanta. It hasn't <laughs> it happened before. It did not happen before. 
and it has not happened <laughs> since. So I think that one of the great things about what happened uh, in 1997 with the 150 race, I kind of put that argument to rest so no one right. ever has to do it again. However, it was a great economic opportunity for both Michael right. and myself, right? Yeah. We, 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 first of all, um, you know, both Michael and I went into foray of, 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 of ownership. So we have to think about uh, promoting this race and this entire competition with athlete owned. Michael and I wrote, wrote each other checks for appearances that were bigger than any other check before. Uh, but however, it was never, ever going to be a race. If you watch the race a hundred times, you'll realize that I took three steps in three steps. I was on the inside of them. So in three steps, I was already ahead of them. And so it was never, ever right. going to be a race, but, but, but it was a great economic opportunity. And we certainly have put anything to, to rest that, uh, that, a, that, a, that two, a four and a 200 meter guy has a chance to meet a power, has, a, has any chance whatsoever to beat a power sprinter that runs 100 meters. Yeah, that was that was another one of my most favorite moments because of all the hype and all the the BS, quite frankly, that uh, was coming yeah. out of Johnson and, and, and the American media. It was it was just crap, of course. And then that race happens, and uh, and you blow him away. And he's and like you said, after three steps, the race goes over. You know it, right? He knows it. Everybody in the building knows uh, knows it. And all of a sudden, he's got a hammy like a my hamstring uh, a hammy i got a hammy uh, he pulls up with that hamstring injury what'd you think of that well it listen let, let's see what you thought of that because we have a clip and this just proved it i mean they said i couldn't want a corner but uh i always said this is exposing michael johnson in his weaknesses in his race this is just preparation we run a couple of twos this year and i plan on meeting them in his event you came out of the turn, you took the lead, you were leaving him two-thirds the way through the race when he pulled up. Are you disappointed he pulled up, that he, he didn't finish? He didn't pull up, he's a chicken. He didn't pull up at all, he's, <laughs> a, he's just a chicken. He's afraid to lose. I think what he should do is we should run this race over again so I can kick his ass one more time. <laughs> oh, no. I would love to see the rebound just out of three. It'd be awesome, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Well, hey, it might happen. <laughs> yeah. It might happen. Well, you could still know. happen, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it, it, it's, the there's yeah. definitely talk. Of, there's talk of that, Joe. There, there's definitely talk of that. I mean, um, Mike Tyson has this Legends League going on, and uh, yeah, you never know. So, I mean, that that could be. I mean, my, myself and Michael, we could throw Linford and Carl in there. We could get some of the old boys. We could put Jerry Rice in there. Uh, you know, we 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 could right. put Deion Sanders in there. Yeah, we could we could do some. The old men can get back together, and just for one day. <laughs> and do something. I would you, never know. you you would get my pay per view money for it. I can tell you that right now. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay, look, look. Okay, we're. I just want to talk about before we before I let you go. I want to talk about. You know, there's. Uh, you know, you, you've been on record as is talking about you know racism in this country, and 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 uh, you know, you you mentioned before that. Um, racism in Canada is racism with a smile. How do you, how do you, what do you mean by that? I know as somebody who's been in the, in the corporate world in this country, you've experienced racism at a different level, a different type of racism. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, well, a couple of things. I mean, Atlanta, this year will be 25 years since Atlanta. And, and I was having a conversation with a guy named Michael Farber who was, who writes a sports illustrated and he asked me about racism. And, and so because Jaws, you know, I grew up in Oakville. So, I, I'm surrounded by 
the best of everything. I mean, and, and my friends mm -hmm. are, are, are right across the board in every culture. So I was, I'm always comfortable tackling and talking about every topic. I was comfortable then. I am even more comfortable now. So yes, I discussed racism 25 years ago, but I think that there was such, I mean, I essentially got black balls. Like, oh my God, Donovan, um, why would you address racism? Why would you say that Canada is racist? Why do you say that racism exists in Canada? And I'm saying to them because it does. I mean, yeah. you know, ultimately, I think that it's it's crazy that that that, that we live in a world that you're so ignorant uh, to believe that something you know doesn't exist, especially when you're not part of a racialized community. Uh, you know, one of the things I found out even back then in 1996, most of the people that we're talking about that racism didn't exist were not from a racialized community. So I'm very certain if you talk to a black, brown, green, yellow person, then you'd say, hey, uh, yes, I've ex there's something that I've experienced. So I definitely talked about it in, 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 uh, in 1996. Uh, and, 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 uh, and, and what I expected then was to, in, was to have a conversation. Was to, uh, because of my platform, was to have a conversation and, and to discuss some of the things that some of my very teammates had told me about. Uh, you know, I, I definitely did not grow up in the neighborhood where, you know, where, where, you know, there was police brutality and all those things. But I'm definitely going to listen to my friends when they're telling me that they're getting uh, harassed and profiled. Uh, so I definitely want to bring light to that then. Now, it, circa, you know, 24 years, it took that long. And, and you know, watching a murder on TV, uh, you know, for mm -hmm. the world to kind of look at and, and, and address these things. And I'm so happy that you know people that had as big a platform that i had then you know the lebrons of the world and you know w, all the wnba players baseball basketball football hockey uh you know you know musicians i'm so happy that we're in a place right now that we're at least having a discussion so we get to a place that there's equality for every single person that walked the face of the earth well, and speaking of equality, and these are some of the, some of the points that you, you've made you know, over the years. And you, you, you say black people and other people of color in Canada are invited into the room to apply for jobs. But that often the, uh, the show of inclusion, this show of in inclusion is, is, uh, of, and diversity is only symbolic, right? Right. Another thing you mentioned there, you point out there's, there are 188 top executive and board positions at Canada's big six banks and two large uh, life insurers. Only one is filled by someone who is black. So you can talk a right. good in inclusion game, right? You can talk that kid game, but let's let's see some action here, and uh, you know, uh, right. and we're not seeing that yet, right? Well, that well, that's what I'm saying, Joe. I mean, that, that ultimately, uh, you know, ultimately, I'm always going to align myself uh, with people that are qualified to do work. I mean, at, at the end of the day, I don't know any black or brown person or any woman that wants the job of anybody else what they want to be doing what they want to do is to be given an opportunity one as we talk about mm -hmm. in in my career in track and field you have to be qualified and you have to put the work in but you also want to do all those things and not be excluded because of what you look like or what your religion is you know or or what your gender is and and or what your color is you want to make sure that if you do the work you're at least gonna come in with a shot with the, to, to get an interview to actually be seriously looked at for a job. And these are all the simple things that I talk about. Now, I don't think I'm saying something controversial because to me, that is the basic common sense that we can all have 
as productive members of society. Right. Well, you know, and, and to me, it is it's just facts, right? I mean, you're just stating what is factually true. It's like when you run, a, when you run, go out there and you run a race, the person who wins the race, we don't go back and look at the tape and go, well, we're not really sure that that guy, that Donovan won the race. I think maybe, uh, you know, maybe Bolden, maybe Bolden won that race. I think we should look at that again. Right. No, I mean, you won the race, right? And so uh, but that's what's great, Joe, 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 let me tell you something. Yeah. Let me tell you, let me, let me interject for a second. That is what's awesome about sports, right? The Olympics is not the Black Olympics, the White Olympics, the Asian Olympics. It's just the Olympics. It's the place where every single country in the world meet every four years, and every single person has an opportunity. You're, it's not a combat sport. You're not trying to fight anyone. It's you, your blocks, and your shoes. So there's an opportunity. That's what's great about sports. That's what's great about hockey. That's what's great about basketball. That's great, great about football. Certainly, we can deep dive into some of those sports and some of the some of the, the athletes that's being held back. But in my event and my sport, that's what it's about. Uh, you have an opportunity to work. You have an opportunity to, to you know to put your wares out there, and you have an opportunity to compete against the very best on the planet. And that's really all I'm saying about the corporate Olympians that are out there, or or, mm -hmm. or anyone else for that matter, whether it's you know academics, uh, uh, you know availability of scholarships. That's why we do so much work uh, with children and leadership and mentorship. You know, and, and so that's all of these things are so important for me because I want to make sure that there is an opportunity if you work hard. First of all, don't complain if you haven't worked. Don't complain if you're not qualified. But if you've done all those things and you're excluded because of who you love and what you are and what your color is, then I've got a problem with that. Right. And I think we all do. And I think that's reasonable. Reasonable people, I think, have a, have a problem with that. I like. I really like what you say recently. Is that this is an interview you did in Australia. You said, we as a human race need to pick up the phone more and talk to each other. Experience real conversations again that result in greater respect, trust, and empathy between one another. And I think, wow, that is so awesome. Because you know, Thank you, I, I think we got we 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 we've we've, uh, we've reached the point here where we've where we've where we got some awareness now, right? Black Lives Matter. We got some awareness. You know, everything's out there, and and so uh, you know, we just got to keep working with this. We just got to keep communicating. We can't let this kind of thing slide. We just can't let it go, right? We let it go. It's going to slip away. It's going to be a problem. For, for, right? for sure, Joe. Remember back in the day when the only your only mode of communication was either to call and talk to somebody or talk to them, like meet them and talk right. to them. And, and, and I think that we've listen. I love technology. I think we you and I are both enjoying technology right this second. I love technology. I love the fact that we can do this. And, 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 you know, bring news to the world. Um, but I think that what the pandemic has taught us, though, is that we, you know, although we, we sh definitely should enjoy technology and all the great things uh, that comes with it, uh, as a human race, we probably need to dial back and get back to, uh, you know, how we were at our happiest and, and probably our least I mean, I remember those days when I was, I was probably, I, I had the least responsibility in my life, but I was the happiest. And, and, and so I, and I wasn't as carefree as I maybe as, as I should have been. But at the end of the day, 
the reason I, I was start I was doing that interview yeah in Australia a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think that the, what the pandemic has taught us is that uh, we don't really know, uh, especially who, the people in your family, the people in your support system, you don't really know if they're having a bad day. And sometimes a text is not good enough. Uh, you know, suicide has gotten you know, to, a, to an epic proportion uh, at a place that it should be. Uh, there's a ton of people having a really difficult time with mental health. And, and, and I, all I'm saying is that, you know, one of the things that I've found, I, I, as I said earlier, I mean, my friends and I are still friends, the guys that I hung out with from, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years, 14 years old, those are still my crew, you know, but we've taken the time out to just say, hey, man, are you good? Like, I think it's so important, especially in these times, to just check in and be a real check-in. Don't send a text, just say, you're good. You know, call them up, say, yo, man, you're good. You had a good day. You had a meal. You slept. And actually make it be authentic. And, and, and those are the things that are so important now because you'll never know what your neighbor or your friend or your partner or your old teammate is going through until you kind of hear that voice. Because the voice, the voice never lies. Just like when you meet someone and you talk to them, the eyes never lie. Right. You can really misconstrue the meaning of a, of a text or an email in a, in a heartbeat. But when you hear the, the when you hear the, the 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 genuineness in somebody's voice, right, and the the fact and to know that somebody actually cares, right, and lack of you know that right. this lack of connection really has a, a negative effect on you know all kind all of us. You know, it, it's a factor in addiction, which I'm well versed in, and and uh, you know the uh, 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 you know it, it's we do what we can, right? We got to continue to do what we can and make this as as much of a keep the connection keep the connection even though it's not physical we still need the right. social connection we still need to talk to each other and you know and there there are opportunities now we can you know meet a guy friend for lunch now it's starting to open up a little bit right and we can uh, yeah well you know we're doing okay coffee and, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we're doing okay yeah, we, we're, well, i'm in durham region good. newcastle's good yeah. too buddy it's, it's awesome yeah yeah so okay yeah oh yeah yeah this is this is this is awesome uh, i i gotta have you out here sometime honestly um so now you've hinted, hinted recently i've seen this that that uh you have hinted that perhaps you might be interested at some point maybe to enter the political arena is this possible is this is this a real thing that i've heard um you know what listen i think that um you know, obviously we're in, we're in a time where, you know, I'm certainly out there and I'm preaching um, that everyone needs to vote and uh, that everyone has a voice and everyone needs to connect with their member of parliament. And, and, and if you're going to make some change, you have to actually have an action plan. Now, I've spoken to, you know, the two major parties in the country and, and uh, you know, I, I don't know what or when I would probably... Uh, venture into the political arena. Uh, but it's something that as I get older, I realize that um, there's more people asking me to do that than not. Uh, and so uh, because I have a platform and because, you know, thank God, I, I you know, I have a voice, uh, I want to use that for good. So uh, I'll continue to do this. And then if at some point that if at some point uh, I, I go into the arena, I will I will give you a call and I'll let you know, Joe. <laughs> all right i'll be your campaign manager all right no problem 
no, no one one other little beef I have though uh, about Donovan Bailey is what the hell it, you have not received the Order of Canada, and I can I can I can tell you something, you know, along with maybe the hockey gold medals in 2010, those are pretty special. The men's and women's hockey gold medals in 2010, pretty cool stuff. I but I personally think that the the, the biggest single sporting event. You know, in Canadian history, the most important one was that you winning the the 100 meter gold medal in Atlanta in 1996, and this and this mm-hmm. you know and the, and and the way you've done you know made us all proud, and the way you've done Canada proud, and 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 uh, you know to me it's like, you know I can look at a list of who has the Order of Canada and go ahead of Donovan Bailey, yeah. <laughs> ahead of Don ahead of Donovan Bailey, are you yep. kidding me? Yep. So anyway, that's uh, that's where I want to go with that. Uh, I, I got to well, I, just I like I want to get. Joe, that, listen, you know. I, I don't make I don't make the selections, and and I'm very certain that maybe I pissed off someone that's making the selections. I don't know how much. I mean, if you're the greatest in the history of your event, and you're the you're the you're the you're the you're the you're the best person that that ever walked the face of the earth. I, I really don't know that, yeah. what other qualifications what else you can do. That you need. <laughs> I, I, so, well, I should have done I, more. Best, I should have done that, more. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, you know what? I should have been. I should have gone and and represented Earth. I should have gone across yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. a couple other planets. And maybe if I became the best ever in the universe, and and there was proof that there's other human beings on other planets, and I raced them and I won. Maybe, but I don't know. Maybe, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. think it's funny too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. It's so funny. you know what you should have done is you had you should have had the race with uh, Michael Johnson, and the deal was that you had to you had to ra- run on water. <laughs> then, I don't there know you how good you a swimmer he is. You still want to beat him? All right. Well, that's my that's my pet peeve. I also, I'm also trying to get uh, Herb Carnegie and Bernie Nichols in the hockey all the things. We're working on that one. Oh too, yeah, that would be great. Uh, I want to thank you again, Don, for being for being uh, for being uh, on the show today. As a result of being a guest on uh, Joe Tilly Sports, we've got a foursome for you from Clublink. Uh, remember that we're all in it together. And when we come back, we're going to delve into the world of esports, and uh, we'll have some other notes. All right, Don. Thanks so much. Appreciate this. Joe, great to chat with you. Take care. Promotional consideration provided by Clublink. Clublink. One membership, more golf. you realize that 80% of golfers enjoy country music? Really? No, but 100% of golfers enjoy timely play. And that means being ready when it's your turn. Bring enough clubs to make a shot when you go to a ball that's away from your bag. Leave your clubs in an advanced position so when you move on, you're not going backwards. Remember, we're all in this together. Addiction Rehab Toronto, Toronto's number one alcohol and drug treatment center, saving lives, reuniting families. 
the only treatment center in the province to offer medical detox, treatment, sober living, and lifetime aftercare all in one place. Our unique and specialized programs are designed to equip our clients with the tools to successfully lead a life of dignity, respect, and purpose. Let us help save your life or your loved one's life. Call today for more information or to facilitate an intervention. 1-855-787-2424 or visit addictionrehabtoronto.ca. Joe Tilly Sports is brought to you by COSA. Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, providing a united voice for harness horse people racing at Ontario tracks. Check out your benefits today at COSAonline.com and check out COSA TV on Facebook and YouTube for all the latest harness news and live action updates. Live racing year-round. Go to HPIBet.com for all your wagering options. Become a member today and your first bet is free. That's HPIBet.com. Okay, esports might be the fastest growing of all sports anywhere. And some of the uh, people out there might be like me, and they might be asking, "What the heck are esports?" Well, today we're going to find out exactly what esports is all about. Because joining us is the co-founder of the Alberta Esports Association, Victor Lee. Vic, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So, okay. For the layman here, like me, for the average guy who doesn't know a lot about esports, fill us in, please. What 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 is esports all about? Sure, sure. So the E in esports stands for electronic, right? So esports is electronic sports. It's a form of competition uh, with multiplayer video games. Uh, so while not necessarily comparable in terms of physical demand, certainly, uh, but esports does share a lot of similarities to traditional sports in terms of competition, community, culture, and the camaraderie. And likewise with the infrastructure and the operations of the industry at large. And so early esports, if you can remember back to the arcade days, you might remember games like Street Fighter, oh, where you I got to that. play with another human being for the first time. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And but esports really kicked off into the mainstream in South Korea in the two thousands with a game called StarCraft, which was actually televised on, on TV, it filled stadiums at the time. But those grassroots level esports that have existed for the last two decades have really started to grow and gain a lot of momentum here in North America over the last five to seven years. So now we're watching, we're looking at some of the video that we used to see before the the pandemic, of course, and some of the events yeah. that you guys put together out there out there in Alberta. Um, I know that they're like, they're building a facility here in Toronto, and and the weekend, you know, who performed in the Super Bowl, kind of, he's kind of. Yes. Kind of a, you, you probably know who he is, yeah. Uh, and Mitch Marner, others are involved in this in, in this uh, venture. And it sounds like it's kind of a big deal. Tell us about this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Overactive Media, um, that's providing those photos there. They're, they're a huge national leader within the space. Um, but the development of the stadium is certainly a significant step forward for esports in Canada. Uh, esports as a whole is a global billion-dollar industry, uh, with Asia leading over half the market. But certainly global, the, the global audience for esports is, is nearly half a billion uh, viewers. And so if we look at uh, recent events, like the 2019 Super Bowl as an example, had about 98 million unique viewers. The 2019 League of Legends World Championships had 100 million uh, viewers, over 100 million, oh. uh, beating out the Super Bowl. And to kind of tie in uh, sports and traditional sports even further, the League of Legends World Championships in 2017 held in Beijing's uh, Bird's Nest Stadium the Olympic Birthday Stadium uh, was also yes. used 
uh, for, for esports. So just to see that kind of activity happening here in Canada uh, with the city of Toronto is certainly a huge step forward uh, for esports in Canada, as well as paving the way for further investments and pursuits within the esports space across the country. So I'm really excited to, to see where this goes. It's, it's hard to believe how far esports has grown over the years. Uh, relative to the rest of the world, it's still an emerging industry here in Canada, but I'm certainly excited to see um, ourselves taking the first steps to entering this, this space. So tell us about uh, the esports performers. Like, what makes a guy a star in esport? How do you differentiate between uh, somebody who's a superstar in the sport and somebody who's just kind of okay? Yeah, there's certainly, you know, amateur levels and there's also professional levels. So if you really look at, you know, traditional sports, you might play in minor leagues, your grassroots clubs, social clubs, student groups, um, and student teams. And much of that infrastructure more or less exists in the esports space. You can go and you compete in community level, local events. Um, but if you get recognized, sponsored, and if you're talented, um, you can compete at nationally recognized levels and, and find opportunities to uh, find yourself sponsored by, by professional esports organizations. So much like, e uh, much like traditional sports, the, the top performers tend to be um, uh, differentiated from the rest of the, the, the crowd with outstanding reflexes, strategic thinking, um, planning, and just overall talent within the space. Um, so it's very comparable to other non-physical um, activities like chess and poker, where there is a significant um, you know, degree and tiers of, of skills within this space. So it's, uh, yeah, it's certainly very exciting. So now, are there esports scouts? Are there, uh, you know, like, uh, that, for, where do you get the sponsorship from? First of all, are they just <laughs> game sponsors? Or are there all kinds of uh, sponsors? And 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 do they have scouts that go out there and, and find this talent? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, one of the unlike traditional sports um, right now with esports because it's it's happening so quickly and it's it's you know sports has a lot of time to really develop the ecosystem and the infrastructure in place to create those professional pathways and development opportunities for players. When you look at traditional sports, you had minor leagues and school teams and college teams, coaching opportunities, access to scholarships, performance development opportunities. All those things are slowly happening within the esports space, and it's starting to pick up. So it parallels that of traditional uh, sports. But right now, oftentimes, certainly there are scouts, but oftentimes with professionals in esports, they usually perform quite well, um, get themselves recognized, create personal branding for themselves over social media, and really distinguish themselves from the rest of the crowd in order to receive that sponsorship opportunity. And to kind of bring this home, because I am Albertan, I do want to give a shout out to two fantastic Alberta esports professionals. Um, there's Shifter, uh, who's a League of Legends professional. Uh, he's from my uh, hometown in Edmonton here, and I actually went to university with this guy. Uh, and he was sponsored down in the US. And you might get a kick out of this, Joe. Uh, if you're familiar with the P1A visa down in the US, that's the that's the, the visa for internationally recognized athletes to compete in the US. But with esports, mm -hmm. how do you recognize a professional gamer, a professional esports athlete? And so what they ended up doing was they, they repurposed the P1A visa for esports athletes. And with Shifter, he was actually the very first esports professional to receive that P1A visa as a pro gamer. And there's also a friend of mine who who grew up here in uh, Fort Saskatchewan in Alberta, a Super Boom fan who is a top Super Smash Brothers player who got sponsored and then moved out east to you out there in Toronto. Well, we're, we're glad to have him here. So now uh, <laughs> you you uh, you, uh, uh, you you if you go to the states on a, on a scholarship, so that's starting to happen now. So there's going to be these programs at uni universities competing. Is that happening now? Is there already competitions between various colleges and? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the entire collegiate esports space is starting to develop, certainly. Um, even when we're working here in Alberta, we're, we're connected and partnered with the Alberta Colleges Athletic Conference, which is the governing body for colleges here in the, in the province of Alberta, uh, to really sanction and bring esports into that same tier of, of sports to provide these players with their career pathways, with scholarship opportunities to really support the development um, of, of their talent and as players. So it's it's all happening and it's happening quite quickly. And it's exciting to see uh, see it happen in Canada. Well, I know your your, your partner, Brad Jones, is teaching esports at the collegiate or university level. That's pretty cool. That's right, actually, yeah. So myself and Brad, uh, see Alberta, the Alberta um, space uh, just kicked off their first accredited uh, academic program for esports at Mount Royal University. It's uh, for the business component of, of esports. So Brad and myself were two of the first generation of instructors for this program, uh, teaching it at Mount Royal University. Oh yeah, there's <laughs> there's our kickoff yeah, event with ACC right there. With belt. We just kicked that off uh, just last semester. Um, so it's right gym night there. And we. we yeah, we've also seen some of your your video from uh, you know some of the events you had before uh, you know before COVID hit, and you were able to to get together and have some of the. But it seems to me that if there's a sport that can be uh, you know kind of a pandemic resistant, that this would be one of them, wouldn't it? Yeah, certainly. Uh, we've seen a lot of growth in esports, uh, especially during the pandemic. It's been essentially pandemic and recession-proof uh, for the most part. Um, a lot of the activities were simply repurposed and restructured for an online environment. Um, and because we're at eSports, we really had the privilege to do so. And because of that, that also gave us a lot of opportunities to work with schools, post-secondary institutions, athletic associations to provide some activity for these students who are no longer able to compete traditional sports, but are able to do so online with, with eSports. So that certainly has helped us um, during this time. One of the, the great sayings that I have right now with gaming in general is that right it allows everyone to remain physically distant but maintain socially close that's one of the biggest advantages for for gaming in esports right. right now yeah which is exactly what we need in, the, in these times that's for sure so in addition Definitely. to being uh, you know <laughs> uh, yeah in addition to being heavily involved on the business side of it uh how do you consider yourself as a player where, where do you rank yourself? Uh, are you considered a top amateur, middle of the road, <laughs> for me? semi-professional? Wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I actually, that's how I got my start. Um, when I was here in, in Alberta, there weren't any tournaments two decades ago, right, 15 years ago. So Brad and I, we decided to bring the tournaments here. We started to, to run events um, because we were competitors at the time. Uh, so we were running these events. We were competing. Um, I played... Super Smash Brothers Melee, for anyone of your viewers who, who recognize that game, I would go down to Las Vegas for the EVO Championship Series and play in Mandalay Bay there and uh, and compete wow. in the, the Fighting Games Championship. So it's a lot of fun, although I was certainly not one of the top players, uh, but one of the top players here in the, in the province of Alberta. Um, but uh, that's how we got our start, and we've been running events over the last 15 years up to this point. But certainly 15 years ago, we had no fantasies about esports really getting to the stage that it's gotten. So to be able to sit back and to experience the growth of this industry from really humble beginnings to, to, the, to the billion dollar size of this industry now has been really exciting. Okay, so what, what, is the sky the limit on this? What, what, where's the potential here, here that you see now? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I mean, people thought gaming was a fad or a trend when it, when it first came out, um, and it certainly had a couple of near misses there of, of, of dying, but uh, video games are here to stay, and people are competitive by nature, I feel. Um, there's a lot of sports fans that are out there. There's a lot of esports fans out there, and so I think, um, yeah, I think this is just creating a whole new space that 
it's really the sky's the limit. And unlike traditional sports, um, esports can always freshen up, freshen up with new titles, with new games, with new releases. You know, we're on Mortal Kombat 11 now, right? It's Street Fighter 5. Wow. It's, you know, but in, in traditional sports, you're never going to get Hockey 2 or, or Volleyball 2. Um, so because it's always changing, I think it's always going to be able to create new fans with new titles, with new releases, and uh, it's going to be really exciting. Uh, certainly, the sky's, the sky's the limit for sure. What What are the biggest games? What are your favorites? <laughs> sure, yeah. So I got my start with Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo uh, GameCube. Um, that's one of my favorites. Um, but certainly some of the big ones among them are, are first-person shooters like Overwatch, Call of Duty, CSGO. There's big MOBA titles, multi multiplayer online battle arenas like League of Legends, Dota 2. Those are significant. Um, there's even sports esports. <laughs> so you can play soccer right. with cars called Rocket League. Um, and there's also some really great um, high-intensity games uh, like StarCraft, uh, which is most considered to be the, the, the grandfather of, of esports, the one to really kick things off. So, and that's still alive and, and strong as well. So it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of great titles out there. It's, uh, there's multiple different genres. So just like in traditional sports, when you say winter sports, that means a lot of things. It could be hockey, it could be curling, it could be luge. And if you look at esports, it's the same idea. There's, there's a game really out there for everyone. Uh, even the old timers league, perhaps. You know, I, I was pretty good at Atari back in the day. <laughs> hey, I mean, Tetris is still being played these days. That is that is like an, a, a game that has has aged beautifully, yeah. and people are still competing in that. So, yeah, and nobody could beat me at Pong either. So, <laughs> <laughs> let's bring it back. Let's bring back. <laughs> well, listen, I want I want I want to thank you for taking the time to join us, Victor. Good luck with the uh, Alberta Esports Association and and. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, and you know what? Maybe we'll bring you back from time to time to to, uh, to do updates when there's a big event. We can kind of yeah, handicap that for us. Sure. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Thanks again, my Thank friend. Thank you so much. Awesome. All Thank right. you. All right. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the epic Joe Shelley Sports is underway. We're giving away 12 Mitch Marner t-shirts. Yes, we are. And three beautiful color prints. Now, all you have to do to enter is invite 10 or more friends to Joe Tilly Sports on Facebook and subscribe to Joe Tilly on YouTube. We'll notify the lucky winners. One t-shirt or print will be handed out each week. Good luck. Time now for our weekly sports analytics segment. Here's Kwame Bryan. My name is Kwame. I'm a developer ambassador at Elegrand. It's a great honor to bring the matchup for today's show. We have here Donovan Bailey and Andre de Grasse, great uh, Canadian athletes and Olympic champions. One has a gold. One is going to have a gold soon. Also, great to see that you had esports on, uh, something that I definitely have a great passion and interest in. And see you next week. Bye for now. Yes, Kwame, Canada has indeed produced some incredible sprinters over the year. Harry Jerome was another one. And I know you love the eSports interview with Vic. That is definitely right up your alley. All right, time for my COSA Swiss Pick of the Week. Last week, I took the number three horse somewhere north in Friday night's 10th race at Mohawk. The daughter of some beach somewhere had won four of five heading in. Anthony Hahn took this four-year-old mare to the front, and she cruised from there. My record is now one win, a pair of seconds, two-thirds, and a fourth. 
This week, I'm going to go with the number six horse. Pickles on top in Friday night's opening race. Yes, this filly is owned by my brother and his partners. She's coming off an impressive win at Western Fair, and she should get the job done here. A reminder to visit Costa TV on Facebook for all the latest harness news, and go to hpibet.com for your wagering options. Well, the Leafs are now the second choice to win the cup and the latest odds from Bet Online. Best record in the NHL, despite losing Austin Matthews for a period of time, Freddie Anderson, Jack Campbell, Jake Muzzin, and others, and, you know, all missing times with in injuries. This team has been unbelievable. Serious depth here on this team this year, folks. And off to their best start in 85 years. They shut the orders uh, down in back-to-back -back games, outscoring them 13-1 to in a three-game series. Now, that shows commitment to the process, and it shows that this team has some very good coaching. All right. The Raptors, talk about shorthanded. The Raptors are, were whacked by the NBA's health and safety protocol. Starters Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, all out of the lineup, as were Patrick McCall and Malachi Flynn. Coach Nick Nurse and five members of his coaching staff also missed the game against Detroit. The Lily Pistons beat the Raps by 24. Well, that's what happens when you got nobody to play, right? Mike Weir darn near notched his first victory on the Champions Tour. Unfortunately, Weir bogeyed two of his last three holes. Well, Kevin Sutherland birdied two of his last three to pull out that victory. Weir will now get himself for the Masters coming up next month. But a nice tournament by Mike Weir. It shows that he's back in form and I think we'll hear lots more from Mike on the Champions Tour. Good to see. Well, our weekly Joe Tilly Sports Contest is heating up. We're giving away 12 awesome Mitch Marner t-shirts and three collector sports prints from the talented artist Rob McDougall. You can enjoy all Rob's work at robmcdougall.com. And all you have to do to enter is subscribe to Joe Tilly on YouTube. That's it. One t-shirt or print will be handed out each week. We'll notify the winners as well as call their names on the show. Good luck to y'all. Today's winner, by the way, is Jim Neely of East York. Congratulations, Jim. A reminder, once again, to subscribe to Joe Tilly on YouTube. You don't want to miss all the latest news. We close with a look who, at the folks who make this show possible. These are all good friends, trusted business associates, and I encourage you to support all of them. Uh, a reminder that uh, this week's show is also available on the Spanglish Network and Zingo TV. Thanks once again to Donovan Bailey. And, of course, Victor Lee. And uh, thank you for watching. Uh, see you next week when Canadian hockey stars Cheryl Pounder and Sammy Joe Small join the show. We'll see you then. Get Aldo at REMAX Crossroads. Do you want to buy or sell a home? Could 31 years of real estate experience help you? Why not speak to an amazing team that loves to overpromise and overdeliver? Call 416-GET-ALDO or visit www.getaldo.com to find out what next level real estate looks like. RS Demolition and Excavation has extensive experience with complete teardowns and interior strip-outs. Looking to build a custom home? RS Excavating Services has the experience you need to build in established neighborhoods. For the highest level of quality and cost-efficient results, we provide innovative demolition solutions completed on time and on budget while ensuring our number one priority, safety. Call 647-852-3006 for an estimate or visit rsdemolition.ca. Brian Gribben Insurance Planning, helping you solidify your financial future.
At BGIP, what we do that's unique in the marketplace is we show people how to spend and enjoy their money in their early years of retirement without the fear of running out. Also, we're able to do this without you having to change financial advisors. Please look us up at bgip.ca today. Let's book a 30-minute phone call to see how we can bring value to you and your family and your planning. Call Brian today for all your retirement needs. We did. 905-686-5678. Goldline Resources, discovering high-grade gold in Sweden. Goldline Resources owns a prospective portfolio of four high-grade gold exploration projects located on the Goldline Mineral Belt of north-central Sweden and one gold exploration project in the Skelftia Belt of north-central Sweden. For more information on how you can invest in this new initiative, go to goldlineresources.com or call 1-800-858-9710. Goldline Resources can also be found on the TSX Ventures Exchange as GLDL. Looking for an advantage in choosing your investment options? Belmont Venture Capital will provide you with the best up-to-date opportunities in the mid-cap and junior sector. The company was formed 12 and a half years ago and is spearheaded by two seasoned veterans of the financial markets with over 80 years combined experience. Go to BelmontVentureCapital.com today for the latest hot picks on the market. And don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. BelmontVentureCapital.com